Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here is your host, Michael Stiltzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am really excited about today's show. I'll be joined by Caitlin Batcher, and we'll explore how to develop engaging communities inside of Facebook groups. And we know that Facebook groups are a big deal because Mr. Zuckerberg said so. You're definitely going to want to listen to today's episode. By the way, if you want to email me, you can email podcast at socialmediaexaminer.com. And now for this week's brand new discovery. Helping you stay alive in the social jungle. Here is this week's survival tip. This week I'm joined by Eric Fisher with a brand new discovery. What'd you find, Eric? I found a cool community that says it's for designers, but it's not just for that. It is called Dribble. And what this is, is it's almost like a living, breathing online swap file or Swipe file, that's the way to put it, uh, which if people don't know, and we've talked about swipe files here, you and me before, uh, a swipe file is basically somewhere where you go and look at designs and say, ooh, I like that. I want to use an element of that or be inspired by that for something I want to do in the future. So what Dribble is, and by the way, there's three Bs in this, D-R-I-B-B-B-L-E, it's an online community for designers, but all us nine... All us non-designers get to benefit from it as well by browsing through it. Okay, so um, what exactly is the use case here? So the use case is, is here's a place where web designers and graphic designers, uh, people that make icons or typography or even logos, they go here to dribble.com and they post their stuff And then either other designers can go ahead and look at it. But then from a non-designer perspective, which, you know, let's face it, most of our audience will be, they can go here and one, they can get inspired and say, ooh, I really like this. I want to do something like this for something on my site. And or they can actually get in touch with the people that designed these things and maybe hire them as well. I'm looking at it right now and – it looks like it's everything from animations to or illustrations to logos to to layout and it looks like they sort them by whoever by the most popular views and then you can just kind of see what's popular right now and uh, there's a lot of cool different ideas here so yeah i would imagine if you're going through a site redesign or you're thinking about maybe getting a logo designed or whatever you could go here look for a little inspiration and um maybe have your designer say, look, I like this style, I like that style. Is that kind of 
what you're thinking with this? Yeah, I'm thinking this this is one of those things where, I mean, again, to be inspired or get creative, sometimes we've got to get out of what we're normally used to looking at and go look at other things, you know. And what one of the other benefits, I, I forgot to say this, is there's an iOS app and an Android app. So you could also install those apps and then log in and then scroll through while you're busy, you know, in line or something, and something may catch your eye. Very cool. All right, so D-R-I-B-B-B-L-E, that's triple B, uh, dot com. That's it. Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World, and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. And now for today's interview with Caitlin Batcher. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Caitlin Batcher. If you don't know who Caitlin is, she is a Facebook groups expert who has helped many people start and grow successful Facebook groups. Her course is called the Fab Facebook Group System. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here because we have not really dug into Facebook groups in a very long time. And today you and I are going to explore how to create and nurture engaging communities inside of Facebook groups. Before we get there, I want to ask, how did you get here? I'd love to hear your story. How in the world did you get from wherever you were into Facebook groups? Yeah. So um, shortly after my daughter was born, I was looking to bring in a little extra income for my family and so I decided to begin freelancing as a social media manager. Um, you know, I loved social media. I, uh, I always was just kind of naturally good at building communities, um, whether they were offline or online. Um, and over time, uh, I was able to attract a few steady clients, um, you know, maybe three or four. Uh, and I ended up joining a couple Facebook groups that were created specifically for Facebook group or not for social media managers. Perfect. Um, and these groups were a complete godsend to me at the time. Um, there was so much information being shared in there, but even more importantly, I was able to connect with other social media managers in, in a meaningful way. Um, and how long ago was it when you first joined those Facebook groups? That was, I was freelancing in 2014. Perfect. So that's when I started joining. Yep. So 
continue along in the story. So you started yeah. into these groups and you were connecting with your peers. Keep going. Yep. Yep. And we, uh, I was forming relationships. Um, and when I, uh, towards the end of that year, I decided to abandon my, uh, social media management freelancing career. <laughs> and I decided to start my own social media coaching business. And I knew exactly what I had to do. And that was to start my own Facebook group. Mm. Um, now, I just want to be really clear that at the time when I started, I had no email list. Uh, I had no social media following. Um, I had no team. Uh, I pretty much had no plan. <laughs> um, but what I did have was, um, was a really clear vision, uh, for the community that I wanted to create. And, you know, I was a hundred percent committed to making it happen. I was ready to go all in and do whatever it takes to, um, to build my business and to nurture this community. So fast forward to today, how'd mm -hmm. that work out for you? Yes, pretty well. Um, my, uh, my attention to, uh, and focus on my vision paid off. Um, three years later, I'm running a million dollar business that fully supports my family and helps thousands of others grow communities to support their businesses. Now, when you started the consultancy, was it specifically going to be around Facebook groups or did that kind of evolve as you went through? It absolutely did not. Um, <laughs> I had, you know, at the time when I started, I didn't really have experience running a Facebook group. And, um, my, um, my way of teaching has always been sort of based on things that I've experienced, um, and learned the hard way. And then I'm able to distill that into the easy way to teach others. So, uh, that was my, um, my social media coaching first started out, um, primarily focusing on Instagram actually. Mm, interesting. And when did you pivot into Facebook? So, well, it was funny because, you know, I had this big Facebook group, um, and it was all, it was geared towards talking about Instagram. <laughs> um, now I, I did have an Instagram account as well, and I still do. Um, and that was a great tool to kind of sell my Instagram coaching and courses and all that. But I found that I was getting the most traction out of my Facebook group. And it was funny. It's funny because this was before, you know, Facebook live even happened. Wow. So I remember getting on Periscope, um, doing live there and then, you know, sharing the link to Periscope inside of my Facebook group and to kind of patch together the system, um, to go live in my group. And, you know, at the time, many people didn't even know what Periscope was. And so I had to make these little tutorials and here's how to, you know, do this. Um, but it was, there was something really magical happening inside of that community. Um, people were, people were obviously there to learn from me, but they were also there to connect and support with each other. And I could sense a, a really big difference from the way I ran my group, um, than the way others ran their group, where, um, I saw other groups that were kind of focused on Instagram being more kind of factual or tips and tricks. And people would go in and out of those groups to, you know, get content, get troubleshooting help with something specific. Um, but my group was the group that they went to uh, with their morning coffee, 
um, you know, after they drop the kids off from school, see what Caitlin's doing to see what, you know, their friends are doing inside of my Facebook group. It was, it was, um, it was a really amazing kind of shared experience. That is so cool. And if we think about, if we think about the communal nature of what you've accomplished with your group, and we couple that with what happened on January the 11th when Mark Zuckerberg said it's all about meaningful interactions between people. Um, what's your thoughts on why maybe groups now are even more important? Love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So, um, Mark, I mean, Mark Zuckerberg himself said that the newsfeed is going to prioritize posts from your friends, from families and from groups over pages. Right. And, for those of us that value community, um, it's a it's a real opportunity to go all in with your Facebook group. Awesome. All right. So with all that set up, uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh, first of all we're gonna we're gonna get into the creation of a group and hang around if you've already got a group because we're gonna definitely get into ways to engage members of the group. But let's start this conversation talking to those people right now who are considering starting a group. What should they be thinking about? Well, the first thing that I want to say um, is that it's really important for them to understand that the group that you're about to create is not all about you. Uh, you're really building something bigger than yourself. And unless you have a real desire to uh, connect with people and to make a difference in their life, then you shouldn't do it. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's just one of those things. Facebook it's not a quick hack. Not, it's not a quick hack, is what I hear you saying. Exactly, right? exactly. If you're in this for the long haul, um, absolutely. If you're interested in making a thousand bucks and then getting out of business, then it's probably not for you. Cool. What else should we be thinking about as far as setting up or starting a group? I mean, like, you know, first and foremost, we have to have a, a strong purpose is what I hear you say. But what else, you know, what else do we need to be thinking about when we're creating a group? Well, you need to make sure that you have a fairly clear idea of who you want to attract. Now, it doesn't have to be perfect. Um, but for example, if, you know, if um, like for if you're a if you want to attract a group for food bloggers, or if you want to attract um, people who are uh, musicians, um, or uh, or parents of toddlers, or whatever it may be, you need to have some level of clarity on who those people are. Um, this is pretty much the worst thing that you can do is try to grow a group that is you know, that would appeal to every single person because as that, you know, famous marketing quote goes, if you try to appeal to everyone, you appeal to no one. Um, and that's definitely true in Facebook groups. What do we need to be um, thinking about as far as the commitment when we start a group, as far as hosting a group? So, you know, when your group is first getting started, uh, in terms of time commitment, you are going to spend more time in there. Um, you know, and by more, I mean, it really just depends. So I try to recommend that people spend around 30 to 45 minutes a group a day inside of their group. If they're just starting out like from scratch. Um, now 
for people that already have a group and have some people in there, you can definitely get that time down to 15, 20 minutes a day. Uh, but it's focus time. You know, it's time that you set aside and you say, okay, I'm going to go in today. I'm going to pick a few threads to, um, you know, interject comments in. I'm going to uh, make a, a new post and I'm going to thank this person. You know, as long as you have uh, a clear purpose for why you're in the group and as long as your purpose is not just to go through and see how many new people you have in your group and see how many likes you got and all of that stuff. If you're going in to truly devote 15 minutes to connect with people, then that's all the time you really need. Let's say that we are a uh, work, we work for a company mm-hmm. that happens to have a Facebook page with a decent size community. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to create a group or maybe even more than one group. Um, does it make sense to create one broad group? Like, let's just take social media examiner. Let's say hypothetically mm-hmm. we were to create a group. We have mm-hmm. a very large following. Um, th- would it make sense to just create one big group around social media marketing? Or would it make more sense to create a couple of smaller subgroups like, um, you know, professional, um, I don't know, social media people that work for corporations, hypothetically? You know what I mean? I'm just curious what mm-hmm. your thoughts on that. Well, it depends on you and your bandwidth, right? So for you, uh, you might have a team that's able to do that to kind of start these, uh, different, um, groups in various verticals that would all feed into the social media examiner podcast and social media marketing world and all of that. Right. Um, so you could definitely, for the average person, I would say not to do multiple groups at the same time, um, to stick with one group. To get that, super niche though? Is that, is yes, that, yeah, okay. One got group it. that is super niche that connects directly to whatever it is that you're selling. Now that sounds obvious, but a lot of people don't think about that. Right. They do, you know, they'll start, they'll like, well, I like to blog. I'm going to grow a group about bloggers. It's like, do you sell a product about blogging? Well, no, I sell a product about, you know, how to make baskets. Okay. Well, that's not a good match, <laughs> you know? Right. Or maybe if you have a future product that's coming out, that's, yes. that's new, then to create a group to attract those people, right? So Absolutely. For, so for example, if hypothetically I was to come out with a product on blogging or on podcasting, mm-hmm. then it might make sense for me to create a podcaster's group or a blogger's group. Oh, 100%. Right? To kind of, kind of get them warmed up and ready and all that yep. stuff. So the community is ready whenever the product comes, right? Totally. But here's the thing. A lot of people do that backwards mm. and they feel like in their head that they have to have everything figured out. They need a product. They need this, that, and the other before they start their Facebook group. When in reality, you're going to get so many insights from interacting with people inside of your group that is really going to inform the content of what, um, what the product is. Absolutely. Um, now there are some people like social media examiner that does have private groups. Like we have mm-hmm. uh, a private group, uh, related to our social media marketing society, which is exceptionally active. And, um, it's surprising because we, you know, we have thousands upon thousands of people that belong to our, our professional organization. And they state that the group is one of the most exciting parts of it for them because they're connecting with people that are, that quote unquote get them. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, you know, whether or not people that already have products ought to consider creating private groups. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I think definitely. Um, now, again, you have to get into 
Um, you know, what is the pricing of your product? If this is, if you have a really big customer base, do you, are you able to, um, have a team member kind of go in and interact with the group, things like that. But for most people, right, for most people that are making less than a million dollars a year, you're going to be just fine. (laughs) And I 100% recommend um, that you, you know, that you have a group associated with, um, with whatever product it is that you're selling. And this could be a physical product as well. It doesn't necessarily, this is not something that only, um, coaches and, uh, you know, consultants and things like that can, can create. I have a friend who started her own Facebook group and she actually sells handmade lingerie and she created this amazing Facebook group. Prior to that, uh, her community was and her, most of her sales came from Instagram. So she was a little bit nervous, but she was also excited about the potential of growing a community that really focused on body positivity, um, feeling good about yourself. And so she did that. And she said that within that first month of running her Facebook group, that she made more sales in that 30 day period than she did um, from Instagram during the holiday season, which was her busiest time of the year. And so like people are craving community. It's fascinating. A couple quick stories. Um, we created a special group from members of the Social Media Marketing Society who were going to be attending Social Media Marketing World. And so there was a sub-segment of a group, just private group, for those people that belong to our professional organization that were going to be attending our conference. And they loved it because they all knew they were going to the same place. It allowed them to talk about special things in a place where everybody was talking about the same thing. And then we created another group, which is a different private group for all of our speakers at Social Media Marketing World. And that was exclusively for them to be able to connect with each other. We knew that if a few of those speakers were excited about speaking at the event, that they would kind of it would get contagious and all the other speakers would. And that's exactly what happened. We, we hardly had to do anything. We just let them have, have at it, you know, and they, yep. and then when they came together and they got to meet each other, so many of them, cause there's so many, there's hundreds of speakers, um, felt like they already kind of had some communal something in place before they came to the event. And that was just like a one-time special use and the group still exists and people are talking about it after the conference. So there's so many ways that you can like use these groups, isn't there? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you touched on something really important that I want to bring up again, just in case anyone missed it. Um, and that was that because you had such a um, specific niche, which was speakers at your conference, the engagement happened naturally, right? Because people were already there. They had a common purpose for being there. And I think a lot of times we have this fear that if we start these groups, you know, it's going to be like pulling teeth, getting people to engage. Um, when in reality, if you, you know, if you get a hundred people that are interested, uh, in the exact same thing and they're all there for the same reason, I mean, they're dying to talk to each other because they're probably the only one in their town that has this specific <laughs> interest, right? Yeah. And they were all, the speakers were all talking about like, uh, speaker reels and, photographers and just things that speakers care about, you know, and it was pretty fascinating. They they, they didn't didn't normally have a place to talk about that kind of stuff. So it was really kind of cool to see that happen. All right, let's pivot this dialogue into we've got a group and those that are listening that don't have a group, you still need to pay attention because hopefully you're going to have a group. We've got a group and we want to figure out some creative ways to get the members of the group to 
interact and engage. So give us some ideas because I know this is where you have a lot of ninja tips and stuff like that. Yeah. So the, um, the first type of engagement that I, or first kind of content that I want to talk about is this idea of, um, personal content. And a lot of times, uh, you know, we, we, we want people to open up inside of our Facebook groups and to share more of their story. But the fact is that we're not doing it ourselves. <laughs> and if, unless, you know, we are the ones to make that first move and say, Hey, I'm going to open up and share something that's, um, you know, share a little story about my life. Um, then nobody else is going to do it. So you need to take that first step. You know, this is, it's all about building relationships and stories are something that anyone can relate to. And these are not stories where you're telling your entire life story. You know, I was born on a dark and stormy night. It's nothing like that. Um, <laughs> Give us an example of stuff you've done. Okay. So, well, one example that I've done is I have this, um, this macaroni and cheese story. So there was a, a problem and it all began because I saw a problem that people were struggling with inside of my Facebook group. And that problem was that they were getting distracted by what their competitors were doing. And in doing so, they were not serving their customers um, to the best of their ability. So I told a story, a totally true story um, that happened um, at my daughter's preschool. So we went to, my daughter went to a fancy preschool all the moms there had these like, you know, were growing heirloom tomatoes in their backyard. Um, and by contrast, you know, we go to Target and Trader Joe's. <laughs> so it was like, it was a little bit of a contrast there. Um, and they had this Thanksgiving potluck. And, you know, when I, when, when most people hear Thanksgiving potluck, they think, oh, like that sounds fun. When I hear it, I think, oh my gosh, what am I going to make that's going to, impress the other moms. I don't want to bring something where they think I'm a horrible mother because I didn't make this or that or whatever. Those are just all like the, the scary, you know, hidden thoughts that are going on inside of my head. Now, at the time I was in the middle of a launch and so I couldn't take care of this stuff. So the, you know, it was all on my husband to make this dish happen. <laughs> and I remember he came back from the store um, and he's, and he said, you know, well, I signed up for macaroni and cheese and I thought, okay, well, that's great. Like who doesn't love a nice warm pot of homemade creamy macaroni and cheese. Um, and then he holds up the craft macaroni and cheese box and, you know, I was stressed out from my launch. I, and I just started laughing because I just, you know, it was such, to me, it was such a funny, um, moment. And he's like, why are you laughing at me? Like, what's so funny about this? And I said, there is no way that we can bring that. And he said, yeah, of course we can. And I said, there's no way we're doing that. All the other moms are going to look at me and, you know, think I'm a horrible mother. And he said, but this is Callie's favorite dish. She loves this brand of macaroni. And he was a hundred percent right. Right. Like who cares what the other moms thought? Um, and the funny the funny backstory to this is after that happened, I actually had a lot of moms come up and thank me for making that because that was the only food that their kids would eat. Um, so and you shared this awesome story on Facebook. Did people yeah. like say, oh my gosh, I've had similar stories? Did it open yes. up a huge dialogue? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So this, you know, got tons and tons of engagement. And, you know, I basically brought it back around to business by saying, remain focused on your customer give them exactly what they, what they want and you'll win ever, every time. 
don't worry about what others are doing. And everyone was like, wow, this is so amazing. You, you know, know I totally love this. Loved did, it. did you write that story or did you record that on video? I just wrote it down. You know, it's fascinating because um, we also have other groups for social media marketing or like a volunteer group. And um, one of the volunteers started creating a video about their experience at the conference. And then all of a sudden, all these other people started creating videos, sharing their stories. And it's it's cool because you can do it either way, right? You can record a little video with your phone, holding it up in selfie mode, or you can write it down, whatever works for you. But the end result is still going to be a pretty cool story. Why is it that you think that sharing these stories um, is important? I think it's important because, you know, Humans are, it's hardwired, hardwired in our DNA to learn and communicate via storytelling, right? Like even if you go, you know, look at, um, like caves from long ago when people lived in caves and on the, on the walls are these illustrations that represent various stories. Like Mm -hmm. that is the, that is the best way to get your message across. And it's also the best way to invite people in um, and to make them feel comfortable. It humanizes you too, right? Because if you are the host of this group, um, then you're giving permission, right, for others to share their stories, but you're also helping them to get to know who you are because they may not at first glance know who in the world is hosting that group, right? Yep, totally. What else should we do beyond sharing stories? Um, the other thing that you want to do, of course, is making, is make sure that you're sharing helpful content. Um, now this is, could be, sometimes people overcomplicate this. This can be really simple and easy because I bet right now, if we go through our blogs or our Facebook pages or even our, um, you know, our, our old emails that we've sent out, we have lots of really good quality content in there. And so it makes sense to repurpose that content into short little text pieces um, or, you know, a quick video. Uh, and you can so that you kind of have a library of uh, helpful content that you can um, drip out into your group. Interesting. Um, so what I'm hearing you say is put content into the group, not necessarily link to content that's up on your blog. Is that what I'm hearing you say? It is that, but I would go a step further and say both. I think it's definitely useful to share, um, to pop links into your blog in there. But here's the thing. A lot of people, when they're on Facebook, they don't want to leave Facebook. And so if you give them, you kind of have, if they've never read your blog before, if they don't know much about you, you need to kind of wet their whistle (laughs) and um, give them a little bite-sized piece of content so that they they um they feel like, oh, this is something that was really useful. I am going to click over to her blog. Now, I don't know if you do this or not, but I, I recall over the last few weeks that our news team announced that you can now schedule posts inside of groups. Have you messed around with that yet or no? I have not. Um, from what I understand, you can schedule groups up until I think it's I think it's a few months in advance. So I don't um and that's not my own personal experience. That's something that someone literally just told me in my group this morning. Um, so that may not be true, but I, I'm not sure if you can um, set up recurring posts inside of your group. 
Right. But I, I do think it's kind of exciting to think that you could go into the group and mm-hmm. just use standard Facebook on your desktop and you could schedule out a whole bunch of content over the next couple of weeks or even when you're on vacation. Right. And that way, at least yep. it's working for you when you're not like around. Right. Absolutely. And it's so easy to batch that kind of content, right? You just set aside a couple hours and say, okay, I'm going to write a bunch of Facebook, you know, posts and go to your blog, pull stuff out and it's done. Do you find that it's more useful to put pure text posts when you're sharing information or to put like quote graphics and text or, you know, links to, to, to blog posts? I'm just curious. What, what seems to get the I'm, best interaction? Yeah. When I'm teaching, I share two types. I do videos. And then I also share, um, you know, just text, like step one, do this, step two, do that. Um, but for the, for the videos, they're all, you know, uh, talking head videos. So it's just me and my face. Um, if you are doing some kind of tech tutorial, then yeah, that would be really useful to use, um, to use video. Got it. And you want to keep it short. That's the, that's the main thing. How short, short, how short, um, I would say five minutes or less. Got it. Okay. And um, are there any other tips on getting people to engage with each other? Because Mark Zuckerberg, you know, one of the things he made really clear, and so did others from Facebook, is that what they um, want to see inside of groups is what they're calling meaningful interaction, right? Which is not just one word interactions, but like paragraph interactions with the members between each other. Um, Beyond stories, are there ever do you ever do any small things to kind of like open-ended questions, for example, or any of that kind of stuff to try to spur some, or Sally has this question. How would you answer her question? I'm just curious. Yes. Well, first of all, I think one of the, one of the best things that we can do in our groups is to give other members an opportunity to answer the question before we do. Mm. So what I see happen a lot of times is someone will ask a question in the group and then right away the host goes in to answer And unless it's an established group where everyone feels comfortable, sometimes people might not feel comfortable answering after that because they maybe they don't want to say something different from the host or whatever. Um, So you want to create an environment where everyone feels safe to share, you know, their differing differing opinions. And it's not about being right. It's just helping someone. Um, And so when someone does ask a question, it's, it's really important for the host to kind of sit back for a bit. Now, obviously, if it's been like days and nobody's answered that question, then you should go in and answer it. Um, but in terms of, uh, other. What about you? Things, what about you specifically strategically asking open-ended questions as the host? Does that make so sense? I, I love doing that. And there's so many things. There's so many kind of silly little questions that you can ask just to get, you know, just to get people to loosen up, kind of like icebreakers. Um, so, you know, you could say, uh, would you rather, if you could only have, uh, one social media, um, if you had to post every single day on one social media channel for the rest of your life, like, would you rather it be, you know, Instagram or Twitter or whatever? Like these would you rather questions are hilarious. Like they're hilarious. Um, and people love to answer because it's just a quick response. Right. Um, Let's talk a little bit about live video. Um, I know that, um, I know that you've used live video to sell specifically and to prospect into groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that maybe you've used live video just to on the fly communicate into groups. I mean, I'm just curious 
how you recommend we use live considering that it's pretty simple to actually go live into a group. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I, um, I love going live inside of my group. Uh, I love going live from my page. And then, um, as soon as I go live on my page, I share it straight into my group. Um, why is the, that? Let's talk, let's talk that through. Okay. A yeah. Bit. So the reason why you want to do that is because right, you know, at the time of this podcast recording and who knows what will change, but at the time of this podcast recording, um, people that are in the U S they can't target people that are inside of their Facebook group. So what that means is if I want to create an ad for a webinar and I want to make sure that all of the people inside of my Facebook group see that ad, I'm kind of out of luck. But there is a workaround um, where you create a, you know, a live video from your page uh, or any video from your page doesn't have to be live and you share it directly into your group, then your you're going to be able to grow an audience um, inside of your ads manager. So you can go back and say, you know, I want to target a webinar ad to everyone who watched this video. And that means that includes people that are in, in that group. Interesting. So I guess that's kind of like what I hear you saying is that's a workaround. It, you can't isolate just the people that watched it within the group, but but you can target anybody who watched a certain percentage of that video, and presumably some of the people in the group were amongst that. Does the group insights give you? Does group? I, I, I've got someone else on my team who manages mm-hmm. like our group, so I don't know the answer to this. But does do you get insights when a video is shared into a group? Do you get the same kind of insights from that group that you do it from the page? Like, it does it tell you what percentage of people watched it and all that kind of stuff inside the actual group from Facebook from insights? The group insights, as I have it in my Facebook group, and it's always hard to talk about this stuff because I feel like Facebook is rolling out so many new things with groups right. that it's kind of different for each person. Um, but for me, all I have is group insights in terms of engagement, and I can see overall how many people are looking at a post or not, not like a video specifically, but just numbers, numbers wise. So like in 30 days, how many people were looking at this, at this video or the aggregate kind of thing, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised because Facebook has been rolling out a lot of new features for groups. Um, Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, just in the last couple of weeks, I know there's a bunch of new features that have been rolling out and, and um, with the F8 conference coming up here in the next period of time. And, you know, depending on when you listen to this podcast, it may have already happened. We may see a whole bunch of new features rolling out for groups that will allow um, some more targeting inside of groups. Want to zoom in on specifically, let's assume we have a group that is not a, um, that is not tied to one of our products that they had to buy to be part of the group. Let's assume it's like a broad group that's Mm -hmm. tied to an interest that is maybe associated with our company or our Facebook page. Um, I want to talk about prospecting and selling inside of groups. So I want to just talk about the do's and don'ts. I mean, I know you talked a little bit about how you can share a video into a group and then remarket to the people that watch the video. Mm-hmm. But what other things should we be cognizant of, you know, as far as like how aggressive we can sell into a group that we happen to own and tips and techniques and stuff for that? Yeah. So I always say, you know, the first rule of selling in a free Facebook group is that you should never sell inside of your free Facebook group. Um, And I know that that sounds a little bit counterintuitive. uh, And there are a few exceptions there, but it's, 
it's necessary. Now, your goal as a host is to get people out of your Facebook group and into your email list or over to your webinar so that you can sell behind the scenes because it's really going to kill the environment inside of your group if you're constantly sharing, you know, links to your sales page or links to this product or that product. It just kind of, it, it starts to not feel so good. Um, it feels a bit salesy. Now, the only exception to this is, you know, I, I know that sometimes people have um, a pop-up Facebook group uh, that is only open for a very short amount of time. And it the purpose of the group is to, to promote um, a certain product. Like if people have a book launch coming up or something like that, then obviously it's completely fine to share your link in there because people are in there knowing that they they want to buy this product and they want to learn more about the product. Whereas your free community is more like people want to get to know you. They want to get to know the community. It's a little bit different. So we have to almost think of the group as like a public service sponsored by our company, right? And yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's pretty, it's, it's the, it's the quickest way that you will be able to take a cold lead, um, and transform them into a, a hot lead. I mean, they just, they work so quickly, um, and so that it's kind of, I, the way I describe it, it's kind of like a, a warming pot. So I would imagine then what I, what I, what I think I'm hearing you say is like, if you're having webinars, mm-hmm. promote the free webinars. Totally. And then that'll get people into your pipeline. Yeah. Uh, or if you happen to have like a free ebook, you know, mm-hmm. where they just have to register for it, promote that. Is that what I'm hearing mm-hmm. you say? Yep. Absolutely. And then what about bots and groups? I'm just curious, like, do they even work inside of groups? Do you know? Um, I, so I have, I, I don't use bots inside of my group. Um, I use them for my Facebook page, but I've never experimented much with, much with bots and groups. And one thing that I'm curious about, well, I don't really, so remember how Facebook said that they're going to like for posts where everyone comments the same word, right? Like they're going to, you know, downgrade or, not show those as much or somehow reduce the engagement on those kind of posts. So I was wondering, cause I've, I still see in some people's Facebook groups, I see that happening where they'll, they'll make a post like, do you want this comment below? You know, yes. And there's lots of yeses. And then the bot responds and delivers to whoever said yes. Oh, you are. But, so you are seeing some bots inside of groups. And it sounds yes, like. I am seeing, I don't use, I don't have that set up, but I have seen other people do it. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating how it all works. And there's even like, we've had some public sightings of third party ads inside of groups too. Yes. And uh-huh. um, at this point, it's not, it's, it's been like uh, random sightings, right? Because the marketers that are listening right now would probably find it exceptionally fascinating as might some of the group managers, if the group managers could monetize their groups by allowing advertising down the road in the same way people do with their mm-hmm. videos on YouTube, that could be pretty fascinating, right? Because oh, that's interesting. Because it could be a way to make money with your groups by allowing those ads and maybe a profit sharing kind of thing to go in there. Well, I've heard of some people selling their Facebook groups. Oh, interesting. Yeah. They've grown, you know, grown a specific niche group, um, you know, that's interested in a specific topic and just like i mean some people sell email lists and in this case they sold a facebook group and, and i don't know if that's legal well like, i would imagine you know 
I don't know either. But but the idea here is that I think there will be a day where we will see ads inside of groups. Either either mm-hmm. they'll be forced into groups <clears throat> or there'll be um, options where there's profit sharing. But what I'm excited about is the possibility as a marketer to be able to target some of those niche groups. You know what I mean? With, oh, with ads. And then, and then if that day comes, we as hosts of our groups might be able to advertise at a discount into our own group in the same way we can advertise to our fans of our page. Mm-hmm. And that might be a good way for uh, a good legit way, if you will, to get certain messages inside the group as it becomes acceptable, you know, for, for members of groups to, 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 to see ads. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're getting near the end. I just want to give, is there any other tips or techniques that we didn't mention that you want to mention? Um, I don't think so. I feel like we've covered just about everything. Okay, cool. Well, then what I want to ask of you is for you to tell people where they can discover more about you and all the great stuff that you've got going on. Well, uh, people can find out more about me from my website, CaitlinBatcher.com. Uh, on the website, I have loads of free blogs and um, blog posts, videos, all about building your own profitable Facebook group. I also have a free roadmap for Facebook group hosts um, that you can download directly from my website. And you can join my Facebook group from my website. It's all housed there. And it's Caitlin, K- uh, C-A-I-T-L-I-N. Mm-hmm. And then... Your last name is spelled B-A-C-H-E-R. So C-A-I-T-L-I-N-B-A-C-H-E-R. And if you didn't catch that, we'll have it in the show notes. Caitlin Batcher, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your awesome wisdom with us. You're welcome. This was so fun. Well, I hope you found a lot of value in today's podcast interview. If there's anything that we mentioned and you didn't catch it, don't worry. We take all the notes for you. Simply visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 299. 299? Wow. Big 3-0 next time. (laughs) By the way, never miss a future episode of this podcast. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. And if you're a regular listener to the show and you've not done so, would you consider giving us a rating and or a review? Uh, The easiest way to do that on iTunes is to visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. That will work actually right inside of the app. And I would love it. This brings us to the end of another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week, I promise. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.